Hey guys, Brad here from the Rooted in Logos podcast. Want to jump on before our episode starts to just kind of give a little bit of a disclaimer. Unfortunately, we got bit by the technology bug again this week, and our recording is a little off. The issue we had a few months back where we would lose bits and pieces of the audio crept up again. We have a bad SD card again. I have reached out to tech support and some other podcasters, and we think we have the issue resolved for next week. But for this week, there are going to be a couple moments where the sound speeds up and we skip some words or a phrase or a sentence. couple spots I know where it is. When talking about the characteristics of the Bible, the last characteristic is the Bible is determinative. Now that word got taken out, but the explanation is still there. So the word is determinative. When we're talking about the benefits of the Bible, one of the ones that got cut out was the source of growth. Now the explanation is there, and I think everything pretty much makes sense, but the title, the source of growth, was lost. So we're sorry for this. Hopefully it's a one-week issue again, but we do believe that the overall message of this episode is good. It's understandable. It's clear. There's just a few parts that randomly decided to cut out. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and without further ado, episode number 62 of The Rooted the Logos Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted in Logos Podcast, episode number 62. My name is Brad. I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend, Austin. Austin, how you doing? I'm doing excellent. Excellent. It is a it is a beautiful day outside. I think it might have gone up to like 80 or Got close to 80. It's yeah. all sunny and warm and nice Ugh. and... We're sitting inside in the AC. Yep. And uh, enjoying every minute of it, honestly. Because every good and great thing comes from God, and AC is one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have to comment on the leaked Supreme Court opinion. I made a very quick, just three or four minute video, just kind of a raw reaction the night it came out. Uh, as I said, I attempted to record it three different times, and it wouldn't. I couldn't get it up. It would not post. It would not jump over to my computer. Like it just it kept giving me errors, and I couldn't do it. So <laughs> I did a video, much to my chagrin. I was not happy about it. It was a good one, but I did it anyway. And I watched uh, it. <laughs> a few people did, but anyway. Uh, so I gave my kind of raw reaction. Obviously, some new information has come out since then. We kind of know a little bit more. But Austin, what was your take on kind of where we are right now with Roe v. Wade? Yes, I mean, if if anybody knows anything about Roe v. Wade, that it, it was just very much an anti-God thing anyway to begin with, as I'm, I would hope in the the Lord Jesus Christ that everyone who is listening believes that infanticide and mass murder of babies is wrong, no matter no matter what the reason is. And if you would like to get into those reasons, I am very, very willing to get into those reasons. I've, I've done much, much research. And I have four children. so It will be a topic on our yes. next schedule that, that I'm working on now. Good. Abortion okay, will cool. be a topic. Cool. Because it's a huge issue right it now. It is a very huge issue. I mean, that's for me, that's one of the big ones. Besides, you know, just spreading the gospel to people. I mean, that's, that's definitely a big one. Um, so no, I, I mean praying that the the five justices that are at what it appears to be through the information we have that are leaning and have that decision of we are going to overturn it. I'm praying that whoever leaked it, in my opinion, is that 
it was not a conservative leak. It was very much a a other side of the aisle leak because the conservatives literally have no. There's no point in them to do that. Oh, the the risk they'd be risking their safety and exactly. their and their family's safety. Exactly. So. and and that's why I think it was the other side, or I, and I, I don't know. I'm not pointing fingers, but it that's what it appears because. If it just comes out, all of a sudden, yes, they overturned it, done, over, then that's it. But you need to you need a good scare tactic. You need to scare those five justices into changing their minds. And how do you do that? Well, you get to their families. Yeah. And um, if we don't see that happening, I would be very surprised. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're they've been doxed. So yeah. their their addresses are out there, mm-hmm. and where they live it is now common public knowledge. It I mean, is, I haven't yeah. looked; I don't know, and don't really care where they live. But right. those who want to know know, and yeah. those who want to cause problems can and are. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden there are protesters outside their windows. Oh, there are. No, there absolutely are. Oh, it, yeah. Okay. It, yeah, that's absolutely happening. I've read a couple stories on that in the last couple of days that that's. 100% happening, yeah. especially outside of Justice Alito's house. Wow. Um, the one who wrote that opinion that was leaked. So, absolutely, it was tactical. It was it was on purpose. It was a strategy to get them to change their mind. Yes. I mean, if you believe otherwise, um, I have a bridge in Brooklyn I'd like to sell you. So, just <laughs> give me a call, and I will Look be, at historical context. be happy to sell that bridge to you. Yeah. yeah. Cheap. For, for for bridge, you know, for bridge, bridge prices. For bridge know. prices. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll jump on that. But anyway. Um, <laughs> so I, I do want to go over really fast just what this means and what this doesn't mean. Because I do think there's some confusion. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're on the side of abortion, which you probably aren't listening to our show if you are. But if you are, or if that's, those are the people you listen to, this doesn't mean abortion ends in America. Right. Now, that is what we need to push for. Yes. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. 100%. But that's not what this means. This means that the federalist system that we, that the founders drew up, where the states pretty much have the power to control themselves, with the federal government kind of giving a blanket of protection over those states, um, it returns the power to the states, which is how it was originally set up to begin with. And so what you're going to have is you're going to have about 20, 30 states that ban abortion outright. Automatically. Um, Indiana being one. Indiana right now, according to them, if if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, Indiana will have restrictive abortions. There'll still be some here in Indiana, but it will be restrictive. Holcomb, get out of here. Now, from what I understand, that is because of laws that are already on the books. It's laws that are on the books that once Roe v. Wade is overturned, go into effect. Like Like they've put them in there. If this happens, then this happens. And so there's a bunch of states where it's going to be illegal outright, Kentucky being actually one of them, yeah. that it will be just outright banned. Until Bashir gets a hold of it. But, well, that's a different conversation. <laughs> but, which for those states is amazing. That yeah. is a great thing. That is beautiful. I mean, they've already curbed a lot of the abortion in a lot of those states because the majority of people are against it anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's going to make it even better. Yeah. However... It's going to cause states like California, New York, leftist, left-leaning states that are very pro-choice to be even more radical in their pro-choice. There will yeah. be really there will be no federal law at the time or currently to restrict abortions. Right. So they can legitimately put into law that it is okay to kill your baby up to like up till birth. Yeah. 
And even then, you have that leaked audio. I mean, it wasn't even leaked. It may have been a radio interview of that former governor of Virginia saying, or it was New Jersey, saying, well, if the mother has the baby, we'll make the baby really comfortable, and then we'll have a discussion with the mother to see how they want to proceed. Basically saying, we'll go ahead and still kill the baby. So you're going to have those laws that are still going to be in effect in those states. And, And what the outrage bomb wants you to believe is that just it's going to be just this dystopian nightmare right well in this common misconception even just blatant outright lie yeah that oh this is going to automatically and put so many women in danger and it's going to kill so many women because they can't get the abortion that'll save their lives and no no that's like less than 0.1 percent and there are in that 0.1 percent so many different other factors that are going into it that Literally, there is so many different medical procedures and ways that they could do things that will both save the mother and the baby's life. Right. But yeah. What do I know? I'm not I'm just a, not a biologist. Um, <laughs> Bill Gates' doctorate over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do have the same doctorate as, as Bill Gates. That's True. for sure. So this is a victory. I yes. said this last week. This is a victory for 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 Christians. But more specifically, this is a victory for life, right? This is a huge victory, providing the decision stays the way it appears to be be headed. What that doesn't mean is we we stop. We don't don't consider this battle won and and, and over. We continue to fight. We continue to push. We continue to pray. And we continue to be an advocate for life. And we do not stop until we see the end of abortion state or, or nationwide. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is the moment where we broke through a line. Yeah. We don't sit down and take a break. We funnel everything we can I, I think, through it. I think I said on there that last week, you know, okay, it, once this becomes official, yeah, let's take let's take five minutes and celebrate and, and be very grateful for what just happened because yeah. it, it is a momentous thing. It's a huge deal. Cannot be understated how big of a deal it is. Yeah. However, <laughs> we're not done. The battle isn't over. We haven't won fully yet. We haven't had right. total victory. We only have total victory until it's outlawed with within the entire United States. Does that seem impossible? Absolutely. But so did this. That is true. I mean, yeah. honestly. And and um, don't fall for the well because because of this. And and I'm not. We're not going to get into the the morality of this. But don't fall for the trick that well because of this, gay marriage is on the line. Because of this, birth control is on the line. Because of this, this. Don't get into that. Right. Has nothing to do with this. Should it be outlawed nationwide? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the end goal. But let's celebrate the minor victory. Not minor victory. Big victory. Major. Yeah. But let's be diligent to continue to pray that that this ends just period at some point. Yeah. I've said this before. It's not original to me. I don't know where I heard it first, but I like it. And so I'm stealing it. So credit to whoever I heard it from. I don't remember who you are. But I do believe truly that within 50 to 100 years, probably not in my lifetime or Austin's lifetime, maybe in Austin's, but probably not. Wow. I'm not that much younger than you. That's true. But but probably not in our lifetimes, but I do think there will come a point, providing the Lord doesn't come back and and set up his reign, that we as Americans will look back on abortion the way we look back at slavery today. Mm. That we will look back and say, wow, we were stupid. Like, we were dumb, and we were evil to allow that to happen for so many years. And that, hopefully, I pray that within my lifetime, if possible, but 
at the very least within my kids' lifetime, my grandkids' lifetime, that they will see an end to abortion. They will be able to look back and say, man, we were, that was evil. Mm. How did we let that happen yeah. for so many years? That's my prayer. That's my hope that it happens. Yeah. Um, and I do, I do think it will because, I mean, you look at technology, technology 50, 60, 70 years ago when Roe v. Wade was, was codified into law, we didn't have the technology we have now. Yeah. We, we should have known. Don't get me wrong. It's not an excuse. Right. But now, I mean, you're having babies born at 27 weeks surviving. Much sooner. Sooner than that. And sooner yeah. surviving. Yeah. There is not a single medical condition solved by an abortion. Not a single one. Nope. So, anyway. But again, I guess I what just, do we know? I don't have that much hope in humanity. <laughs> and I get it. Yeah. I do. I really yeah. do. But for, for whatever reason, I, I just, I think eventually... We'll look back at this with the same disdain and animosity as we do with slavery. Yeah, at least uh, because you got to think about it. The people in you know, the founding fathers that that allowed slavery for so many years, those who were okay with it, were in the same position as those who were pro-choice. This is amazing. This is right. This is this is that. And those who were against it were like, this is evil. So it's it's a similar position and a similar argument, I think, and similar you know train of thought on both sides. Yeah. It's all about human rights. Yeah. It's all about human rights. And to the slave owner, they weren't human. Yeah. The slaves weren't human. To those who are pro-choice, those babies aren't human. And, vi- and flip flip it the other way. To to the, you know, abolitionist, they were absolutely human. And they were absolutely individuals that, need, that had rights. Yeah. And to the pro, pro-life side of things, these are absolutely human beings that have individual rights. Yeah. It, it, there's so many parallels. And I just hope that the end and the outcome is the same. Right. So. Yeah. yeah we'll see. in hope. <laughs> All right. With that being said, let's dive into Apologetics Week number two. <laughs> if you have not listened to Week one, unlike a few of our other series, I think this one does build on the one before. Mm-hmm. And so I do recommend if you haven't listened to the first week of this, go back and do that before you continue on here. Yes. Because it does build on it. Last week, we defined apologetics, we defined hermeneutics, we kind of explained why these things are important, kind of gave just a broad overview. Austin dove in and kind of gave us a kind of a, a broader look at, at things, or a more narrow look. More narrow look? Narrow. Broader, at a broad, I gave a broad look, you gave narrow. a narrow look. I mean, we can go so much more Whatever. narrow Whatever. Yeah, we could, but, yeah. I, but I was pretty much big yeah. picture. Austin kind of honed in on a few different things yeah. that were a little more specific. So go back, listen to that one before you finish this one. This time, or this week, we're going to dive into the Word of God itself. And I just want to say, why does this apply to apologetics and hermeneutics? Because if we don't have the proper view of Scripture, mm-hmm. our apologetic arguments mean nothing. Yes. And our opinions are invalid. So... This first week and this first part of the study of the Bible itself is all about having a high view of Scripture. Yeah. Which is cool because, yeah, looking at it as getting a picture and getting a high view of Scripture before we get into how to study Scripture. Because then at a later week, we will actually go into the true authority of Scripture and how can you trust Scripture looking at the canon Every, all, everything like that. That'll come in a couple weeks. Right. But as of right now, just, yeah, getting that high view of Scripture and reverence for the Word of God. And once we've solidified that this week, then we will yeah. continue. Well, how we view the Bible is the foundation of apologetics. Yeah. It's the foundation of sharing the gospel. 
knowing what we believe and defending it. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing what we believe, why we believe. So basically similar to last week, I'm going to kind of get rolling. Austin will interject with his, uh, you know, his thoughts and his views. We kind of did this pretty, I felt like pretty seamlessly yesterday. Yeah. Where it went really well. We so, got pretty used to each other. <laughs> uh, 62 episodes. So here, you know, yeah. we know what's going on. But uh, so I'm going to start with um, seven characteristics of the Bible. All right. The first, the Bible is infallible. This means that the Bible in its entirety does not make any mistakes. More specifically, its original autographs are without error. So the original manuscripts, which granted, we don't have the original, original manuscripts. We, we don't. Um, just That's just a fact. But we'll get into why we still believe the Bible in a couple weeks because of how many manuscripts we do actually have. Right. Which is a lot. And you'll be shocked. But that's a different story. Psalm 19.7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect. So the Bible, in its originality, in its, in its original form, is without any mistakes. It is perfect because God wrote it, and God is perfect. Something I didn't say yesterday is one of the reasons why we believe we can trust our tra- some of the translations, not all, right. but why we believe we can trust the translations that we use is because we believe that supernaturally God is preserving his word and preserve it through the generations. So it is infallible. It is without error in its entirety. Next, this sounds repetitive, but it's not. It's inerrant. So not the Bible is not only infallible in its entirety, it's inerrant in its parts. So let's look at Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Strong words there. We're going to kind of get back to adding and subtracting to the scriptures later on in this episode. But every word of God is pure. Every word of God is true. So when you are reading Romans 7 by itself, that passage you are reading is inerrant. It is without mistake. When you are reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, front to back, it is infallible and it does not make mistakes. Yeah. So in its entirety, it is perfect. It is true. It is un. It is infallible. In its parts, it is inerrant. It is without error. Uh, the third thing, the Bible is complete. So the Bible does not need to have anything added to it or taken away from it. It is not a commentary on the culture and times of its day, and it does not need to conform to today's philosophy and cultural norms. We do not need to add to or take away from Scripture to fit what our culture says is true. You are seeing that constantly right now from these mega churches and and these fluffy, you know, ear-pleasing candy men that are, quote-unquote, preaching the word that are adding to and taking away from Scripture to make it fit our cultural norms. Yeah. It's how we have churches with pride flags out in front of them. So we have churches with BLM flags flying out there because they are taking scripture and they are adding to it or taking away from it or twisting it to make it mean what they want it to mean. They are well, reading it eisegetically. They're even going as far as to they're teaching false doctrine. They're teaching, as Paul was writing Timothy, he says, all these people who are teaching something different than what we have taught you. You know that those are false teachers. Those are that's false doctrine. Yeah, and they're they're false teachers. Yeah. So the Bible is complete. You don't need to add anything to it. Take it away. Take anything from it. Next, the Bible is authoritative. 
it has the final authority. This is John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the Bible has the final authority. It is how we are to conform our lives. We conform our lives, our thoughts, our opinions, our ideas, our behaviors to what the Bible says, right? Right. We see in James 2 where he, he basically says that if you violate the law in one part, you violated the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it is authoritative. If you do one thing out of line of the Bible, you have broken every law in the Bible. And you are just as guilty as those who have done something else that maybe you haven't done. Right. Right? Another law that you haven't broken. I haven't killed anybody. Yeah. But I've I lied. I haven't, I haven't committed the carnal carnal sins. Yeah. But I haven't, I haven't died. Right. I mean... <laughs> Obviously, I haven't died. Well, I'm still here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I haven't killed anybody, but I have lied. Yes, right. Yeah. So I've broken the law, and I am worthy of condemnation, of death. I'm worthy of death. Yeah, physically and spiritually. Yeah. So, kind of just solidifying the word. Okay. So let's go to Hebrews chapter one, verses one through two. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And then we're going to go to John. John 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So as we see, uh, John John is referring to Christ, mm-hmm. as in Jesus is the Word, the Logos. Uh, hence, our name, rooted yeah. in Logos. We are rooted in Christ. We are rooted in Scripture. Um, as we see in Hebrews, as we see in John, that n- nothing that was made was made but through Christ. As God spoke, the, as God the Father spoke, His Son, the Word of God came out, and everything came into being by way of God speaking. So, well, God, that that right there, just by the way, we didn't mention this yesterday. That just proves that Christ is eternal. Yes, He was there at the beginning. This isn't modalism. This isn't any kind of theology that teaches that Christ was a created being. He was there at the beginning, from, from from the beginning, from before the beginning. Yep. In the beginning, not at the beginning, in the beginning, since the beginning, since eternity before, Christ was there. It, Which is something we cannot wrap our minds around, yeah. by the way, like at all. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Real quick context, what is Paul saying? All scripture. Well, he's referring to the Old Testament because the New Testament hadn't quite been, you know, put together yet. Now, some of his letters, some of some of the other uh, probably epistles have maybe have been written by the time he wrote uh, Timothy, but he is referring to the Old Testament. So, Old Testament is scripture as well. But, it, you know, I, I just wonder to to talk to Paul and be like, dude, Dude, like, <laughs> would, did you have any idea, any inclination, what your letters would be to, to all of us? Like, we yeah. look at 
this is scripture. This is scripture as a whole. I'm like, man, that would be that would be. Yeah, there's some indication that they they kind of viewed Paul's letters as scripture at the time, even in the time of Paul. There is some indication. Yes, actually, no, I have scripture for that. Yeah, we'll get to that here in a here in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so the next characteristic that we're going to talk about is the Bible being sufficient. So the Bible is sufficient for what? First, it is sufficient for our salvation. So Austin just read 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. But I want to read 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, that says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, being the Bible, being the Old Testament, mm-hmm. which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the Bible, and specifically in this context, the Old Testament, points directly to Christ and leads you to salvation in in Him. Yes. So the Bible is sufficient for our salvation. Verse 16, as as he just read, I'll read it again. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The Bible is sufficient for our perfection. Another word for that is our sanctification. Yeah. The process of becoming more and more like Christ. So, are we going to reach perfection this side of heaven? No, of course not. I wish we were. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Be kind of cool to walk around and be like, yeah, I'm perfect. <laughs> but then I wouldn't be perfect because I'd be proud. But anyway, <laughs> that's another deep kind of like... Right. If you know you're perfect and you talk about it, are you then bragging and proud and so you're not perfect anymore? Anyway. Logic. Logic. <laughs> um, the Bible is sufficient for our sanctification. We are called to be perfect as God is perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Be holy as I am holy. His standard, as we've talked about multiple times, is perfection. Yes. That's what the Bible's for. It is for training, teaching, reproof, correction, and righteousness. That the Bi- is sufficient for those things. Mm-hmm. If we were to follow the Bible word for word throughout our lives, we would be perfect, right? Because that is the standard. Yeah. So that is what our goal is. Our goal is to then know the word, read the word, realize that this word is sufficient to make me more like Christ. So on top of that, too, we're also able to go to other believers and say, hey, how you're living is not matching up to what is written down here. Right. We've talked about the whole judge not list to be judged, taken out of context. Mm -hmm. We are able to judge our fellow believers, those who claim Christ. I can look at Austin, and again, it's out of love. It's not out of uh, of hatred or or malice or, or right. Or I'm better than you in this yeah. area of my life. It's legitimately, bro. Like I see this in your life. It does not match up to what the Bible says. Let's talk about this. Let's yeah. try to work this out. Let's try to figure this out. And that's what the Bible's perfect for. It for sanctification for ourselves and for other people, and to allow us to say, hey, again. Out of love. And when you have that relationship with somebody, maybe not just someone you met five minutes ago, be like, yep. hey, bro, you're wrong. Let's use, let's use a little bit of discernment here. Right, right. <laughs> but it is good to show the standard. Yeah. Well, and, and it's not your, you're coming to somebody, a, a fellow brother and sister in Christ, and addressing something you don't like. That is not what you're doing. That That is wrong. What you're doing is you're saying, hey, um, what I see in your life, your your fruit from this certain area, is not yeah not matching up with the Bible. And right. and as we're looking at John, where it is solidifying that this is the Word of God breathed out by God Himself. Uh, Hebrews one one spoke 
to our fathers through the prophets in the Old Testament. Now he speaks to us through his son. Well, how do we learn about his son? Through the Bible. That is how we learn about him. In our physical, our spiritual relationship, our personal relationship with God and Jesus Christ. And again, that's why we're solidifying that this is the ultimate authority. The ultimate authority. Yeah. The next thing it's sufficient, it's sufficient in our hope. It is sufficient for hope. Let's look at uh, Romans 15, verse 4. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We've talked about hope a lot here. It's not a hope of, I hope I get this new job, I hope I get this new car. It's, I know that at the end of the day, when all is said and done, and my life is coming to an end, and I see Christ, and I, I get to be with my Creator... I will look back and say, man, all the crap I went through in that life was completely worth it because of where I am right now. Yeah. That's the hope. Hope is the assurance of things not seen. Knowing that in the end, while it is tough and we go through things that just flat out suck. Can I say suck on this podcast? I don't know. <laughs> but seriously, though, the things that are just terrible, things, yeah. that, uh, things that we cause, things that we don't cause, trials and tribulations that come upon us that we have nothing to do with. They're just, they just happen. It's not at random. There, it's we're not going to talk about that, but that's a god, you know, it's a god thing. We're guaranteed that things are going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. But when think when we go through stuff and and we we come out the other side of it, we might say in that moment, "Hey, that was worth it. I see why it happened." We might not, and it yeah. might take us to the end to see it. But we have hope, and we find this hope through the scriptures that it's all going to be worth it in the end. And at the end of the day, we win. Yes, we come out victorious. And it is. It is all going to be worth it. So, sufficient in hope. Finally, it is sufficient in blessings. All right? Look at James chapter 1, verse 25. And it says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Mm. So, does this mean you're going to be blessed financially when you obey the word? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Right? Does this mean you're going to have that new car, that new house, that new boat? Not necessarily. That's very much a health and wealth, prosperity gospel that is leading a lot of people astray. Yeah. And and, and really causes a lot of damage. Because that's not what this is. Mm-hmm. That does not, we talk about scripture interpreting scripture, that is not backed up by the rest of scripture. Right. Right? You take that one verse, sure, maybe you can twist it into meaning that. But looking at it as a whole, we are going to have troubles, we're going to have trials, but blessings will come when we're obeying the word. Those blessings might be in the form of just mentally being okay, right? I know when I am struggling with any kind of depression or or any kind of sadness, word. So I'm not allowing it to be my hope and to be my assurance and to be my sanctification. I'm I'm just ignoring it. That's where a lot of it stems from. We might think it's just the circumstances we're in, but is it? But it goes deeper than that. It goes to a lack of trust in God in that moment. So when we are obeying the word and when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, the Bible is sufficient to bless us. Financially, sometimes, not all the time, but spiritually, yes. And being blessed with security and comfort, knowing that you're his and he's yours. Yeah. That's the blessings it's talking about. We are going to suffer. Acts 9.16, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And that is Jesus talking to someone about Paul. Romans 8, 17. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Romans 8, 36. Just as is, as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. 2 Corinthians 1, 7. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as 
you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. There is a plethora, a plethora more. Jesus himself says, you will suffer for my namesake. And as Paul says, we suffer as Christ suffers. So we know that it is a very real thing. And we are going to suffer that. And again, we'll talk about this in a different episode, but talking about the the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. Yes. And how dangerous and and to the point of heretical it can be. Because oh, it, it places people, fellow brothers and sisters, in the wrong. Yeah. And it does. Absolutely. So the next thing, it is effective. So we've, we've seen that the Bible is inerrant, infallible, sufficient, authoritative, and now it is effective. What does that mean? So I'm going to look at Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. It says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So the Bible is effective. It will do what it promises to do. When we hear the word of God, it isn't just words. It has power. It has power from the Holy Spirit because it is coming from the mouth of God himself. Yeah. So it is effective. It is going to do what it says it's going to do. So any promises that are in the Bible, you can claim those promises. Now, be careful because again, that gets you into that health, wealth, prosperity gospel. Yeah. That's not what this means. We can claim the promises of God that apply to us, first of all, right, that are that are in the new covenant, okay, because I don't believe the promises that are in the old covenant necessarily apply to us today in the new covenant. Another conversation for another day. But we can claim the promises for the old covenant, you know, that, that we will be victorious in the end. That's the big one, right? And that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we will be saved. Those are the big ones. Yeah. So the Bible's effective. His death, which is spoken about in the Bible, which is prophesied in the Bible, prophesied in the Old Testament, his death does what it said it would do. He died in our place and rose again on the third day. His resurrection does what it says it will do. Jesus did what he said he would do, right? He would heal the sick, heal the blind. He did that. He would die. He would raise again on the third day. He did that. Everything the Bible says is true and will come true, Mm -hmm. even if we don't see it right now. Well, and going back to why are we doing this? (laughs) One, the podcast, but two, why are we going through apologetics? We are going through what we believe, why we believe it, and being able to explain that to people effectively. And going through this, we are looking at Scripture from an exegetical, expository lens. Looking at Scripture from context, from grammatical to contextual. And we're trying to form all this together because, as we've talked about, Scripture is whole. So so we get into why do we study versus why do we just read? And kind of a quick side tangent, I guess. Looking at reading. As believers, we need to be reading every day. We need to be in the Word every day. As we we know, as I, I hope we've solidified and established that this is God speaking. This is God speaking. So why would we not want to study? Why would we not want to read it? Do we not know that just what a privilege and a miracle it is to have the words of God of creation at your fingertips? And that yeah. is that is something that uh, every single one of us, I I say it as myself as well, we take for granted oh, every for day sure. of our lives. Absolutely yeah. we do. Which can be demonstrated so well through the Matthew four four ministries that that takes that mm. kind of come runs out of our church and seeing videos of of people getting Bibles 
for the first time at times. Yeah. And how they cherish that word. They cherish that Bible. You have one Bible being shared among 15, 20, 30 pastors. Yeah. One Bible. And they each and they finally get their own. Man, just the joy in their face. They don't take it for granted. Yeah. They know how special this word is. I have 17 Bibles sitting in my bedroom. Oh, yeah. I'm, right? Like, yeah. It we, is very easy to take it for granted. Absolutely. When you have 20 Bibles at home, I have 17 in my bedroom. I actually, I don't know if that number is accurate or not, but it's pretty darn close if, if it's not right on. Yeah. I also have my cell phone that has a Bible on it. Yeah. I'm using my laptop to read scriptures right now because it's quicker to look up. <laughs> like, we have it so readily available to us at any moment of the day, at any time, period. Yeah. We have podcasts of people just reading the Bible to you. Yeah. Where you can just listen to it. Yeah. Dramatic readings, not dramatic re- Like, so many different things that it's right th- It's so right there. Can yeah. you imagine what someone in Sudan or Uganda or these countries where it's hard to get, if they had it that accessible, how on fire that country would end up being? Oh, man. It'd be insane. It would spread like wildfire. Yeah. Because they know the importance of it. They know how special it is. Well, and they are the ones that they do. They sit down and they want to study. They want to look at every single ounce of scripture and look at it from the context of this is God speaking to me. And we all need to have that. Because again, there is a difference between reading and studying. Reading is something all of us need to be doing every day, every day in scripture. And I fail at that so many times. But then this, so the 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 reading of God's word, as as we th- see through Scripture, I mean, Paul talks to Timothy about dedicate yourself to the public reading of Scripture in uh, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty five. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So we get this picture that as we read scripture, um, reading it out loud to ourselves, we are washing, okay? We're rinsing ourselves. But when you study, you're soaking. You are you are taking the time to look at one, two verses to maybe a chapter, but you're sitting down and you're soaking, uh, a lot of the guys I listen to, uh, Paul Washer, Vody Bauckham, Dale Partridge, you know, all these guys, they have set times to study. I, I, I love it. A story of Paul Washer is when he was in Peru, uh, a missionary in Peru with his wife, he tells the story that, you know, men would come to their front door and be met by his wife. And they would say, hey, where, where's Brother Paul at? And she would look at him and be like, you you know where he's at. And she, she's like, well, he's in his study. He is studying the word of God. He's been there in the morning and he will be there till noon. He studies until noon every day. And they're like, well, well, can you go get him? We need to talk to him. She's like, no, no, this is his study time. He is in there for a purpose and he is soaking. He's He's in God's word. Come back at lunch. I'll make you some lunch and then you can talk to him. Dale Partridge, Fridays. Fridays, it is five to eight hours of study time. And I'm over here like, man, I just want to get like two solid hours of yeah. study time. Yeah. And, and yeah. which has been an awesome part about doing the podcast because it has forced Brad and I to study. It is amazing how much more you learn by having to teach something. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. So yeah, looking at studying, looking at why you study, the soaking of the soaking in God's word versus just the rinsing. So just a couple verses, Psalms 119 verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. 
Psalms 1 verses 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And and this does, this this really does bleed into a little bit of, of kind of the next section we're going to go into here in a minute of why this is so important. So why do we study the Bible? And there's just so many benefits to it and so many reasons why we should do it. Just kind of hounding it home. So Psalms 143 verse 5, I remember the days of old, I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the works of your hands. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that it is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. And then Philippians 4 8, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So we, we get this picture of when we study, we are pondering on God's precepts. We are meditating. We are reading a verse in context, but we're reading through that verse of, okay, God, what are you saying? What are you, what are you speaking through your prophets? What are you speaking through the apostles? And, and truly, you are soaking in God's word is very important. How you respond to the word of God determines the essence of your life and your eternal destiny. The ultimate determining factor as to whether or not a person is a child of God is whether they listen to and respond to the word of God. So Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. They will know you are my children by the love you have for one another. So it's Obeying the word and loving others. Obeying the word being the first one, right? Being the Mm -hmm. first thing we were supposed to do. It is determinative. So we are able to look at the word. If we are living in obedience, determine if our brothers and sisters who claim Christ are living in obedience, to some degree, of course. And we're also it's also going to determine where we spend eternity. How we respond to the word of God determines where we spend eternity. I'm going to say it one more time. The third time I'm going to say it, maybe the fourth even, but I want you to understand this and get this into your mind. I want you to get this in your mind of why this is so important, because it is. It is a matter of salvation here. How you respond to the word of God determines your eternal destiny. Yes. Period. Why are we spending uh, two weeks in apologetics talking about the Bible, not talking about how we defend our faith? Well, Because if you don't know the Bible, you don't believe the Bible, and you don't obey the Bible, you're not going to be an effective apologist. There's no point. There's no point. Yeah. Why would you defend the faith of something you don't obey or believe? Or even know. Or even know. (laughs) So, to wrap up the kind of characteristics that we talked about, I have a quote from John MacArthur. It says, The word of God is infallible in total, inerrant in its parts, complete so that we are to add or subtract nothing, authoritative so that it is absolutely true and commands our obedience, sufficient so that it is able to do to us and for us everything we need, and effective, it will do exactly what it says it will do. That is that is how I view Scripture. That is how Austin views Scripture. This is how we as believers should view Scripture, is those characteristics. Yeah. To boil it down, just those seven. Those characteristics are how we need to view it when we're looking at defending the faith and then also before defending the faith, how we study the Bible and how we get to know it and understand what it says. So I'm going to go in real quick. We are going to kind of breeze through some of this, I think. First, first benefit is the source of truth. The Bible is the source of truth. 
John 17, 17, we read it earlier, the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and it will set you free. Our society is always pursuing, quote unquote, truth. The they, reason for existence life. Yeah. and life and why we're here and how we got here and what's the purpose and what's the point. Absolutely. Always pursuing that. We are told in 2 Timothy 3, verse 7, that humans, specifically unbelievers, are always learning, but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. So, without the Bible, we're never going to have the complete and full truth. We're never going to know the complete and full truth if we don't read and study the Bible. Every time we read the Bible, we are reading the truth. It sets us free. The Bible contains the truth about God, about man, about life, about death, about men, about women, about children, about spouses, about how we interact with our friends, about how we interact with our enemies, about how we interact with our bosses, our on and on. And on. The Bible tells us how to interact with these things and how to live and how to... It is the source of truth. Ultimate truth, big T truth, capital T, R-U-T-H, big truth. The truth. Yes. The truth. It's also the source of happiness. And Austin made the comment yesterday, he said joy. But I actually like the word happiness here. Okay. And he, hear me out. And I, and I said this toward the end of my point on this last time I said at the beginning, that because the Bible contains the truth, we should be thrilled to read mm -hmm. it. Because it gives us hope, it should make us happy. So yes, yes, it is our source of joy. Joy that transcends happiness. Absolutely. Because happiness can be fleeting. Happiness is an emotion that mm -hmm. can end at any moment, right? I am not happy I stubbed my toe five minutes ago. Yeah. Like, absolutely. But it should make us legitimately, emotionally smile and happy when we think about our, our eternal destiny revealed in the Bible. Yeah. It should make us happy to be able to read the Bible, as, as we talked about a few minutes ago. We have it at our fingertips yeah. at every moment of every day. This is God speaking to you. God, the creator of the universe, wrote you a letter, <laughs> and you can read it at any moment of any day, period. That should make us happy. Yeah. Emotionally happy. At Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter four, I believe, uh, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is living, it is alive, and it's active. The times where I've been at my lowest emotionally are times when I'm not obeying the word. I'm not in the word. I'm not obeying in the it. word. Yeah, I'm not doing anything with it. It's just kind of sitting there collecting dust. That is the times where I'm at my lowest emotionally throughout my entire life. Well, there was something I heard once. It was. Uh, it was by Paul Washer, but I don't know who said it, that he quoted it. But it was basically, you know, even even the dust on this book, even the dust on the Bible that you never pick up and read, even that is gold. Yeah. And, and just that visual, because this is the Word of God. It's holy. It is set apart. It is cut far apart from our human, evil, sinful flesh. It is holy, because it is the Word of God. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's a source of truth, it's a source of happiness. The next thing, it is the source of victory. What does it give us victory over? Victory over sin. We see that in Psalm 119.11. As we read in the Bible, it gives the Holy Spirit room to work in our lives and to root out sin. Next, it is a source of victory over Satan. So, you look at the temptation of Jesus. How did Jesus defeat Satan? He quoted scripture to him. He used his own words. He used his own words, honestly. <laughs> yeah. but, but he did. He quoted scripture from the Old Testament yeah. back to Satan and defeated him and, yeah. and caused him to win. No, I didn't like that. I'm going to cut that part out. But <laughs> caused him to <laughs> caused win. Caused him. Caused him to Cause win. Cause and effect. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I know what you mean. 
Did I say that yesterday? Anyway, no, you didn't. <laughs> it's also the source of victory over demons. So again, look, look back at Jesus. Mm-hmm. How how did he handle demon possessed people? He quoted scripture to them, quoted his own words to them. They left again. It is the source of victory over sin, over Satan, over demons. And it's a source of victory over temptation. So you look at Ephesians chapter 6, and it talks about the Bible being the sword of the Spirit. All right? A better translation of this particular word is dagger, not so much sword, because it is sharp and it is precise. It, it, surgical mm-hmm. precision, okay? When it talks about using the Bible to correct yourself, but also to avoid temptation yeah. and to overcome temptation. It is a sword. So, uh, a quote here from John MacArthur again. Having the sword of the Spirit is not owning a Bible, but knowing the specific principle in the Bible that applies to the specific point of temptation. Mm. Well, and I love it because look when we look at Scripture, looking at in Ephesians where it's talking about the the armor of God, this our spiritual armor, it is talking the sword as a, as a dagger, as close quarter combat, hand-to-hand combat. And that is what we're doing with apologetics. It is not we're getting our broadsword and swinging it with a four-foot reach. We are getting close. We're getting personal. As it says in Peter, we're giving an answer for the hope that is within us. And like Brad said, it's, it's surgical. In Hebrews 4, it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So as we use scripture in our apologetics, in our day-to-day life, it is Cutting, as Hebrews says, to the bone, to the marrow, to the hearts of man. First Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So there is an answer for the temptation you are facing in the Bible. Period. Uh, three more things real quick. The, the benefits of studying God's Word. Benefits of studying God's Word. The next benefit because they fail to study the Word of God. They may go to church, but that's the only Bible they hear and read throughout the week. So let's, I use this metaphor, I've heard it years and years ago, meals, eating. If you only eat one meal a week, you are going to starve. You're not going to be healthy, right? Mm -hmm. Now, this is different than fasting. Obviously, you can go without food. But just in your day-to-day, every day, if you eat one meal a week, you are not going to be very strong. That is the same exact way with feeding feeding yourself the Word of God. If the only time you're getting fed is a Sunday morning from your pastor or from your Sunday school teacher, you're going to be a weak Christian. Yes. You are not going to be strong. You're not going to have a solid foundation. You're not going to grow. What is so important to development of a baby? Food. Nutrition. nutrition, Eating or drinking milk. You know, getting nutrition, getting vitamins, getting... (laughs) Eating multiple times a day. Yeah. One meal a week is not going to be sufficient for you to sustain a healthy life. One spiritual meal a week on a Sunday morning is not going to elicit growth. It's not going to cause you to grow. It's not going to cause you to be able to defend the faith, be effective at all. So it's a challenge to all of us, myself included. Do not allow Sunday mornings to be the only time you hear the Word of God because you won't grow. How do you grow? You grow by getting into the Word, by reading it, and by obeying it. That is how you grow. So we could do an entire week or an entire series, an entire whatever on what growth looks like, okay? And and and, and what it is re- and what's required for growth, but we're not going to do that right now. The, the point of this benefit is that as you dive into the Word of God, 
you will begin to grow in your faith. You'll become yes. more effective for the kingdom of God, and you're going to be able to defend the faith better because you're going to know it. Mm-hmm. That's really what the whole point of this is, right? When we're talking about apologetics specifically, is that we know it. If we don't know it, we can't defend it. Yep. Austin, you made the great illustration last week. You, you, someone, the king looks at his commander and says, defend. Defend what? I can't defend something I don't know. Yeah. Where? Where am I defending? Who am I defending against? Where are they coming from? I'm just going to put my sword out and start swinging it wildly if you tell me to defend and I have no other directions. And then an arrow comes and... (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you have to know what you're doing. You will only grow if you are eating. And you are only able to grow spiritually if you are eating the word of God. That's a weird thing to say. But he says it's the bread of life. It's true. So here we are. Jesus is the bread, he is the word. Here's the other distinction too of you know we are addressing the knowledge part. We are addressing knowing what you believe and but getting into the why you believe it. And as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 and a little bit on it's but as it is written what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. All the way down to verse 13. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom to know what you believe and why you believe it. It is so important to realize that the understanding of this word of the Bible of Scripture is coming from the Holy Spirit. I mean, as we see in Scripture, Satan, Satan knows Scripture, but he knows Scripture. But the difference is he does not have the Holy Spirit. He knows Scripture front to back better than any one of us. But the understanding is we have the true understanding from the Holy Spirit, and we need to be putting that into practice and into play. Yeah. And if... Uh, as we're talking about, you know, you're you're just going along with life with your one day a week sermon, and you are you are starving your spiritual life. You are eventually going to die. But what happens when you die and you get to heaven? Scripture talks about it. You're lukewarm, and what happens to the lukewarm Christian? He says, "I will spit you out." It'll be worse for you. It it would be better for you if you just denied him. But if you are just going through your life not rooted in scripture, I'm lukewarm. You're just lukewarm. God will spit you out. And that's one of the things we're addressing here. Being able to know scripture, but coming at it from a spiritual lens. You come to scripture on your knees saying, God, please give me the understanding that you meant it to be meant as you spoke through the prophets, as you spoke through through the apostles, as Christ himself came down as man, your understanding, not my own. And we need to be praying before, during, and after, and then all day about that specific thing you just read. Absolutely. And and that's perfect transition to the next source or the next... uh, benefit. It's a source of power. Mm. Talk about the Holy Spirit, right? Says the Word of God infuses us with spiritual power. The more we know the Word of God, the less we will fear any situation that comes our way. Yes. We are prepared to face any challenge, any trial, any hardship. That is through the Word of God. Anything that comes our way, we can face it because we know the Word, because we know how to handle these situations. Also, it's going to cut through to the very fiber of our beings. It is going to tear away at any ungodliness, any unholiness. It's going to rip out anything that is not of God. And eventually, when we get to heaven, we will be perfect. Yes. When when we finish, reach the end of our lives, and we are with Christ in heaven, our sanctification will be complete. 
turn this meat suit in for the perfect one. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. The gospel has the power to break down every single false teaching and unbelief. So you think of the Bereans. I didn't mention this yesterday, but I thought about this afterwards, of course. You, you think of the Bereans and how they took everything Paul said and checked it against the Old Testament and checked it against yes. Scripture. Everything you you ever hear us say, we want you to check it against the Bible, period. Because it will root out any and all false teachings. So again, it is the source of power to break down every false teaching and unbelief. It also changes our thinking and transforms our lives completely. So again, we've talked about the duality of man, where one half of us wants to do things that are the exact opposite of the way God wants them done. The other part of us wants to obey God at all costs. And we are fighting that battle every day within ourselves. Some days the good side wins, some days the not so good side wins. It's the nature of being human. But it's why. Why does our fleshly nature almost always, almost, almost always beat out your spiritual nature? Well, it's because what are you filling your life with? If you are just going to that one sermon a week and you're, you are feeding your flesh that one tiny meal a week, but the entire week you are just feeding your flesh all day, every day, which one is going to be stronger? Your flesh. Yeah. And then when that temptation arises and your spirit is over here like, <laughs> your, your flesh is over here like shut up and there's no contest yeah and that's what we're addressing so yeah the, so the bible it does it changes the way you think it changes the way you view life it changes the way you view others it changes the way you view yourself it, and it also should transform your life to where your spiritual side wins yes. more often than not. It's, again, you're not going to be perfect it's, inside of heaven. You're not going to win every time. You're not going to win every time. It's not going to happen. But you have more ability. And, and again, along with that, it empowers us to live like Christ. It empowers us to, again, conform our minds, our wills, our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors to be like Him. That is the whole goal of studying the Word of God. That's the main, or that is the main goal of studying the Word of God. The, net, the goal that we're kind of really going to hone in on eventually is... Defending it. Yes. But more importantly than that, the Bible, we can conform our will to him. Whenever we need to know what God wants us to do, we go to the word. God is easy to find. He's not lost. He's not a moving target. He is not hidden. He is there. His will is also very easy to find. It is in his word. We know the will of God by studying his word word. It is a guide for us. The Bible says in Psalm, it is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. It guides us. There are times we can go to the Bible and read about someone who is struggling with the same decisions we are struggling with as well. But there's going to be some subjectivity. Let's be honest, the Bible doesn't know. But when we study the Bible, the Holy Spirit that lives inside us will take the Word of God and make a personal application to us. It'll take the principles that are found in Scripture and apply it to whatever situation we find ourselves in in that moment. That is only going to happen if we're in the Word. We're going to wrap up real quick, and I have seven things of what we do with the Bible. All right, so in light of the characteristics that we talked about and the benefits of it, what do we do with it? First thing, we believe it. It is true, period. Second thing, we honor it. We keep it in its rightful place. We have a high view of Scripture, and we make sure we revere it and we honor it, and we cherish it. We love it. Mm-hmm. All right, that's number three. We love the Bible. We need to be ecstatic to read the Word. We need to have a desire to read the Word, to know more about Him, to know more about what He says and what He desires of us and what He commands of us. Yeah. Because we love it, we obey it. We do what it says. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Plain and simple. Yep. Very easy. Not rocket science here, guys. We obey it. We fight for it. 
This is where apologetics comes in. We stand for the truth and we fight for the truth. We talked about abortion at the very beginning of this. We fight against abortion. We fight against this gender ideology that is popping up all over the place. We fight against boys going into girls' locker rooms. We fight against the girl who says, I'm a boy now because I like trucks instead of dolls. Like We fight against these ideas. We stand up for truth. We take the word of God and we fight for it. We preach it, okay? This doesn't necessarily mean from a pulpit. We share the word of God. Mm -hmm. We share it with people. We share the gospel with people. We have the greatest story ever told. We talked about that last week. We have the greatest story ever told. Don't keep it to yourself. Yeah. yeah. Right? And finally, we study it. We're not just checking this to-do list off. We we are, we have, we love it. Therefore, we want to study it. That is what we do with, that is what we do in light of the characteristics of it and how it benefits us. Mm-hmm. And again, how does this apply to apologetics? Because it is a foundation that we have to have in order to be effective in defending our faith and knowing what we believe and why we believe it. If we don't know the Bible, we are useless. Exactly. Well, and getting into the defending, holding the line, uh, that's that's so big, <laughs> looking at it from a the standpoint of a father. We are holding the line so that when my children get to the age of the defending of the faith, of I'm praying that they will, that I am not walking backwards. I am not <clears throat> taking leaps and bounds backwards. I'm not giving up that as we have. The, just here in America within the past 100 to 50 to 100 years, uh, we were talking about just even the show Dick Van Dyke, where Rob and Laura Petrie, they were sleeping in separate beds. The, the TV network didn't even want to show them in the same bed because they didn't want to elicit those thoughts or feelings, which I agree with. That's a great idea. Um, MGM, the, the production company that makes a lot of movies, uh, I believe during the 30s and 40s, part of their, their code of conduct, basically, you know, they listed out, these are words that you are not allowed to use in cinema. And they <laughs> listed them out. You can't say, and I, I won't even repeat them, but and even then it didn't even list out some of the words that were used to nowadays it was just back then you you can't say these <laughs> and and now it's literally let's see how many we can say exactly and you're <laughs> and basically get away with watching it. pornography on tv yeah. every single movie has to have something in it and the past 150 years you know these brothers and sisters in christ that we have had the the generations before us they lost ground now i'm not saying it's every one of their fault but there were brothers and sisters that laxed there were those that turned the blind eye that said, hey, this, this, ah, that's really not too bad. Well, look where we're at now. And do I need to even go into depth of that? Um, we go it's back obvious. and go back and listen to our episode exposing evil. That will answer that question or if it's a question posed, whatever. But looking at scripture with that high view, looking at it with reverence as, as, as David says in Psalms, I delight in your precepts. I meditate on your law. That is what we need to be doing. And to give emphasis is Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, starting verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, and no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. If that does not answer the question of is scripture authoritative? I don't know what does. Right. Next week, we're going to dive into how do we study the Bible? 
Yes. All right. We're going to uh, talk about some foundations. There are four foundations to studying the Bible. And we're going to talk about two, for me, on my end, I, I, I ran across a new strategy that I had not heard of before. And I'm going to share it with everybody. And I think I'm going to try it starting in June. Just kind of, it'd be a cool little way to start the, start a new month yeah. is with this strategy that I'm going to lay out for you guys next week. So uh, Austin's going to talk about, a, a, we're going to talk a lot about tools, different tools that yeah. we use to study the Word of God and 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 extra biblical things that we can use that are not think a little deeper so we don't you don't have to be a John MacArthur or right. Paul Washer or a John Piper like you can be you don't you, you can be a Brad and an Austin and just come at this from a layperson's perspective and not with all the training and all that like it's doable for well, everybody the bible's under studying god by way of his word yeah so we're going to get into that next week. I'm excited about it. It's going to be another fun one. But thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate you guys. If you have any comments, questions, rebuttals, shoot us an email. Find us on Facebook, Instagram. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Message us. We will respond pretty quickly, usually, if, if you have any issues uh, with what we said or some questions, what clarification, or if you want our notes. We'll, we'll give out our notes to you. Yeah. So shoot us a message. We'll send you our notes. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of dive into some things next week and continue our apologetic study. But until we meet again next week, stay rooted.